0: Well, it may be raining outside and dreary, but in here it's dry and full of life. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you will grab your Bible and turn with me to uh, Hebrews chapter ten, and we're going to be in verses nineteen through twenty-five in just a moment. We're in a series. This is the message, third message in the series. We're just simply called "In the Church." And so this summer, we're taking July and August, nine Sundays, and we're just talking about. The roles, the function, the structure of the local church and, and its implications on our life. And so we are going to move through a series of different ideas and thoughts about the church. And this morning we're going to simply talk about attendance in the church. Here's a statement I, I wanted you to hear and I wanted to just rest on you this morning. It's sort of the big idea uh, of what we're going to be looking at. Here's, here's a statement. The most important time together with the church is when you don't feel like it. Think about that. The most important time together with the church is when you don't feel like it. I have no doubt this morning that there are some of you sitting in this room that when you got up, and maybe you looked at the weather, but you got up this morning and you contemplated not coming to church. The thought went through your head. All kinds of reasons might have led to that thought. Maybe you were thinking about the fact that you're just simply tired. You know. Yesterday was too long, too much going on. You're just tired. Maybe you were discouraged. Some of you might have been depressed or sad or angry. or uh, You just woke up this morning empty. And so whatever the emotional situation was, the thought went through your head of, maybe I can just go to Bedside Baptist this morning. (laughs) Some of you, you've got a long list of things to do today. And so the thought of, I can just skip the church this morning. I don't need that. But you're here. Perhaps there was no motivation. There was no desire. The thought, perhaps, of gathering with God's people seemed to be unsatisfying. Maybe it was unhelpful to you, or perhaps even awkward, an awkward exercise. But here's the reality. You're here today, and I'm glad to see you this morning. I'm glad to see your faces. I'm glad that we got together, many of us, in small groups earlier this morning, and got to interact and talk with one another and pray with one another and hopefully encourage one another. Many times, I think the reason we have those ideas and those thoughts going through our head and the contemplation that, that uh, uh, goes along with it is because we view attending church like we would view attending a movie. What happens when you attend a movie? You go to the movie theater, you gather with about 200 other of your not-so-closest friends, And you share an experience together. You even share an emotional experience together. You see, when you go to the movies, sometimes you're laughing together. Sometimes you're crying together. Sometimes you're even shouting or screaming together. You you set through a roller coaster of ups, downs, and twists, all of it collectively. And the one thing, however, you do not share in a movie theater is relationships. When you go to the movies, you may have a conversation. You may know a few people's names in that crowd. So you may talk with one another either before or afterward. But when you go to that movie theater, there is no depth of relationship. You're not there for that. You're there to watch the show. You're there to see and to engage with the show, not to see and engage with one another. And so you're just there for the show. Therefore, it doesn't matter whether you attend or not. You won't be missed. They weren't expecting you specifically. They were expecting somebody. At least the the ticket counter was expecting somebody. They weren't expecting you specifically. So when you think about a movie versus the church, the church is different. As we've learned over the last two Sundays, the ecclesia, the called out ones, are gathered as the body of Christ. They're gathered as the temple of God, the household of God. See, the local church is an embassy of the Lord. We reflect his kingdom on earth. Therefore, as members of that embassy, we are ambassadors representing the life, the love, and the truth of God. So the strong relational imagery that we see in the New Testament, we've covered many of those over the last two Sundays. That imagery that we see describing the local church in the New Testament, it compels us to see that membership matters. That it matters that we're a part of the local church. So the church is altogether different from a movie theater. For for this reason, it matters that members would gather regularly together. Members do so because the church exists for our own discipleship. As we submit one to another individually, we are involved in this process of God using this body... To disciple the individual. And the individual is part of the body that is used to disciple other individuals. So we need this interaction. We need this relationship. And all of this grows us in our Christ likeness. Using our spiritual gifts, God is glorified and his kingdom is expanding. So we're talking about this summer the role, the functions, the structure of the local church. So far, we've discussed mission in the church. We've discussed membership in the church. And today, we're going to build on that by examining the idea of attendance in the church. Not just having your name on the roll, but actually part, participating, uh, involvement in the local church. And so this morning, I want you to understand this. Faithfulness rather than feelings is the motivation for Christians to gather regularly with the local church. Faithfulness, rather than feelings, is the motivation to attend church. Hebrews chapter 10. Look with me in verse 19, and let's see what the writer of Hebrews has to say. The Bible says this, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, the day he speaks of there is obviously the day that Christ returns. And so as we're moving to that day, we want to make sure that we're doing the things that are prescribed in these verses. You know, when you hear the gospel shared, any person, when they hear the gospel shared, there's only two responses. Either that person will hear and heed, move in faith toward Jesus Christ and be redeemed, or that person will reject it and move back to a state of apostasy or a rejection of God. The writer of Hebrews here is writing to the first son. He's speaking to the person who has believed The claims of Jesus Christ and received him as Lord and Savior. He's speaking to believers who are part of a local church. You know, as we seek to understand these words, it's important for us to remember that Hebrews was written to Jewish Christians. If you ever want to know what the Book of Hebrews is about, it's about Jewish people understanding the gospel and how it connects to the teaching of the Old Testament. Many of you, if you're reading through the Bible annually, you'll get to the book of Leviticus, and that's when you will begin to lose traction. That, that's when you'll begin to get a little discouraged, and you're thinking, man, I don't know if I can tread water through this any longer, and you'll give up and walk away. Why is that? It's because you don't understand the connection, the validity, and the importance of the book of Leviticus. Go to Hebrews, and it's the commentary on Leviticus and vice versa. And so the writer here is writing to Jewish believers, part of a Jewish church, to help them understand the connection between the Old Testament and Jesus as the Messiah. You see, in the Old Testament, the Jewish people were committed to a system of religion that kept them out of the presence of God. There was only one person who would, who was able and had the ability and the special responsibility of entering the presence of God, and that's the high priest. The high priest on the day of atonement would take the blood from the sacrifice for the atonement of the nation of Israel. He would take that blood into the Holy of Holies within the temple, behind the curtain, and there offer that blood upon the mercy seat that was above the Ark of the Covenant. That was to make atonement for the nation of Israel. That person was the only person who had access to the presence of God. Everyone else was outside. In fact, within the Jewish faith, there were layers of barriers to keep the people away from the holy of holies, away from the presence of God. And so these Hebrew believers reading this letter and understanding the gospel and its connection to the Old Testament would have heard these words and been overjoyed that the barriers have now come down. And it's not just the high priest who has access to God, but all of us have access to the the presence of God. Why? It's because we have a new high priest, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he's entered the Holy of Holies, and he didn't offer the blood of a lamb. He offered the blood of himself as the lamb of God. And so the writer of Hebrews is connecting this rich, beautiful theology from what we know of as being the Old Testament to what we know of as being the New Testament and the fulfillment and the feeling that Jesus Christ makes and is to the faith of God. Of the prophets. Three different times in these verses, we read the words, Let us, verse 22, verse 23, and verse 24. In this collective call of Let Us, we see that there's an invitation to enter by way of Christ's blood and to draw near in faith. So, building upon that rich theology of what Jesus has done for the believer, it says, Let us. He's inviting us to draw near. We see that there's a profession that we ought to hold fast and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. We also see in this collective call that there's a consideration of how we can and we should encourage other believers to now walk in this newness of faith. The phrase of let us highlights for us the importance of attendance in the church. You see, Membership, as I mentioned earlier, is so much more than a name on a roll. It's so much more than having your name in a database. It's so much more than, than having a plot out here for the, when the, the day comes that you no longer are walking upright, but you've got, to lit, you've got to be laid down prostrate. See what I'm saying? It's so much more than just having some of that insurance for the future. Membership is about regular participation in and with the church. So our attendance must be driven by faithfulness over and above our feelings. The three things that I want you to see about attendance in the church this morning, here's the first thing. Attendance in the church can be a real struggle. It can be a real struggle. As it's already been stated, faithfulness rather than feelings should be the motivation for us to gather regularly with the church. So while this is true, and that's sort of the, uh, a major statement we're making this morning, while that's true, I think it's also and equally true that we acknowledge that attendance can be a struggle. Any of y'all struggle this morning? I, I, I've joked many times that uh, the most strenuous struggle for us to get to church, at least in young families, is the drive from the house to the church house, right? First of all, you're, you're 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 really pressed for time to get in the car, and then you're fighting and chaotic and and just all kinds of a mess. Many times going to church, and so it can be a real struggle. So we need to realize and acknowledge that our feelings and what lies behind them is a real deal, and so we need to also understand that that struggle is something we need to understand as. A struggle. It's not reality. It's not the final saying for us. For these Jewish Christians, there was a struggle in their life as well. That's what the writer of this epistle is laying out before us. He says, don't neglect coming together. Don't neglect the, the, the regular and rhythmic uh, gathering of the church See, the struggle for them was, was because they were leaving behind the legalism, the ritual, and the ceremony of Judaism. Many of these believers were most likely still participating in the weekly Shabbat, weekly gathering at the synagogue. And so there's this, this struggle and this tension of, am I a Jew in my identity or am I a Christian in my identity? And so they're kind of, sort of straddling these two worlds, if you will. And some of them were neglecting their new Christian faith and their new uh, obligation and responsibility and privilege of gathering with the local church. Instead, they were only gathering with their previous life and those involved there. So they're struggling to leave the old life and embrace their new life in Christ. And so as a result, these Hebrew Christians were neglecting to gather with the local church. These Hebrews were neglecting together, and, and as doing so, they were doing it because they had real issues, and the real issues hinder their fellowship, and the same is true of us. We have real issues that lead to a real struggle that hinders us at time, at times from gathering with the local church. I want to give you just real quickly, if I can, 12 practical reasons that create this struggle in our life. Gunner Gunderson offers these in his book on... Uh, Gathering with the church. First one he lists out here is, is the idea of it being physical. You see, sometimes your struggle to get to church, your struggle to attend uh, regularly with the church is due to your physical uh, situation. Maybe you're just exhausted. Maybe there's an illness that you're dealing with. Maybe it's disease or chronic pain. And so for you, the, the, uh, the spirit is willing, willing, but the flesh is weak. And it's a real physical struggle for you to gather with the church. Second reason is spiritual. You, you might simply just be in a dark place. You see, for you, Christianity has lost its luster because you're, you're, uh, you've been out there dabbling in, in worldly things, and, or perhaps you're harboring sin in your life, and so it's this spiritual struggle for you together with the church. Third reason is relational. The struggle is due to a marital problem. Maybe it's due, due, due to a broken friendship or an awkward personality. Did you know that when we come to church and we gather with the church that we're all different? I would love a world with a bunch of James Taylors in it. (laughs) I think that'd be glorious, but it would be boring, right? We'd all be going to bed at like 9 o'clock in the morning. We'd all be getting up at 4 a.m. We'd all be doing the same thing and eating the same. It would be a boring, boring place. And so thankfully God in his grace has made us different and and we're just a multiplicity of different personalities and all those things. And so we understand that when we have all this difference coming in, all these varying personalities that sometimes certain personalities don't jive with us. But the beauty of the church is that we are under this one umbrella, this one banner and God brings us in. Maybe sometimes it's a disagreement with a leader and that's the relational struggle. Fourth reason is logistical. The drive time to church is considerable. Uh, maybe your work schedule changes week to week, and so you're not able to get here as much as you would like. Some of you may travel often for work, and so because you're gone from home so much, you really the weekends for you are catching up on all those home projects. And so you're 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 faced with the idea or the temptation of should I go? And gather with the local church, or should I spend these three or four hours catching up on the lawn or catching up on something else? Fifth reason he offers, or the fourth reason he offers is logistical. As I said, <laughs> got a little tongue tied there. Fifth reason is preferential. I love this one. Maybe your struggle involves your dislike of music. You know, We don't hear a lot of frustration about that in our church, but uh, I've pastored that church before. I've been a part of that church before. I hear stories about that. Maybe your preference is, man, I I just don't like the service structure. I don't like the length of the sermons, or I don't like uh, how it's not like my previous church or like this other church. And so It really just comes down to your preference over what is happening. The sixth reason is cultural. You see yourself as a white-collar person in a blue-collar church or vice versa. Perhaps you're a racial minority and there's not a whole lot of other people who have your same experiences and stories, and so you're just culturally in a struggle. Seventh reason is recreational. Due to your busy schedule or your desire to give your children every opportunity, you're chasing hobbies and weekend adventures and and travel programs all because your focus is on recreation. Eighth reason is interesting. It's missional. There are times people struggle to attend church regularly because they just simply don't see a strong sense of mission, a strong sense of leadership within the church. And so there is a a dissatisfaction there uh, of the church seemingly setting on the sidelines rather than being in the game. Next reason is doctrinal. The real struggle can result result from you not being able to find a church. Here's what happens sometimes in a In an individual's or family situation, you may move to another church or I should say another location. You're searching for a church and you just can't find that church that holds all of the doctrinal positions or or some of those issues in, in, in their makeup. You just can't find that and so you choose to just set out. What do you do? Well, I can watch my previous church online. And so you begin to resort to that over doctrinal reasons. Tenth reason is intellectual. You might find yourself struggling to attend when the teaching is either too shallow or too deep, and you're just like, I I, I just can't can't get on board here. I'd rather stay home. Eleventh is transitional. You see, when you or the church are in a state of transition and things are changing and there's lots of upheaval, attendance can be a struggle. So when that church is in a transition, it's hard. Uh, If you were here five, six Maybe even seven years ago, we went through a serious transition period. Uh, from a music standpoint, you walked in here on a Sunday morning, and from my perspective, you probably thought, or at least I thought this, we were schizophrenics. Like, what are we, who are we going to be this week, right? What kind of music, what kind of leader, who the leader's going to be? It was crazy. And I was blown away that people would continue to visit our church and, and get involved in our church and join our church during that period because we were in such. Chaotic transition. But thankfully, the Lord was good to us. Last reason he offers is personal. Your struggle might stem from an experience of abuse. It might extend or stem from a scandal in the church or a previous church. And, and that just jades you in such a way that you're just like, I don't know if that's that important. I, I just there's a loss of trust there. And so your personal experience causes a struggle within your own soul when it comes to gathering regularly. So these struggles are real. While they're real, our desire ought to be about faithfulness over feelings in all of the Christian areas of life. You see, God's word here directs us to not neglect meeting together. And so while we see that, while we acknowledge that, while we seek to obey this, we need to understand we also struggle with it. That leads us to a second point. Attendance in church is a real need. It's a real struggle, but it's also a real need. Last Sunday, we saw that the Bible really speaks in no way of this idea of what we're calling lone rangerism. We, We don't see a follower of God, Old Testament, New Testament, on his own or on her own. No, that believer, whether a Jewish Old Testament believer or a Gentile or Jewish New Testament believer, they're always in the context of the body of God, the body of Christ. So all throughout the canon of Scripture, we see that portrayed. Uh, We come to the New Testament, and Paul and the other writers give us these images, these prominent images that portray that in the church there is a healthy family. In the church, there's a healthy body. In the church, there is this healthy, strong temple. These images emphasize togetherness, right? Don't you see the the togetherness that comes in these images? Think about this. The, The church is a family of siblings, brothers and sisters in Christ. That's how the New Testament believers referred to one another, that we're brothers. Paul, many times when he's writing letters to these churches, he would say brothers. That word there doesn't just speak of the masculine, it carries also the feminine. So he's, he's speaking of brothers and sisters in the Lord. These are his family. These are his siblings in Christ. The church is also a body with many parts. And the church is a temple made up of living stones. And the implications of these images are obvious. Families live together. Body parts work together. And temple stones fit together. Now, someone might take these images and, and just disregard church attendance, saying, you know what, we need to be the body of Christ rather than attend the body of Christ. Right? we got to be the church rather than meet with the church. I got a question about that. How can you be the church if you're not with the church? Doesn't that just make logical sense? That if you're going to be the church and live out the Christian faith and you're going to own these images that we see in the new testament of a family and a body and a temple that we actually have to model that in our individual lives that i'm not a christian who is the body himself or i'm not a christian who is the temple of god himself or i am a christian who is the family of god himself no i'm a part of a bigger body a bigger family and a bigger temple man i should have got something out of that Hey, a family that never shares dinners, trips, or reunions, what kind of family is that? It ain't healthy. It ain't happy. And it might not even be a family. Right? A body that's never together, it's more like a prosthetics warehouse than it is a church. Right? I've never been to a prosthetics warehouse, but that'd be a scary place to be. You walk in there and you see all these parts that can go on a body, but there's no bodies. There's no living organisms. There's no one walking around except for the people walking to the the, the certain aisle to get a certain prosthetic. That's all the only bodies you get. But that person's not putting it on themselves. He's just getting something for someone else. So it's lifeless and dead. And that's what a Christian is, in a sense, who's not connected to the body of Christ. Temple will not stand firm when its quarried stones refuse to stick together. So you see these images that speak of togetherness. So we understand this real need and the writer of Hebrews understood this need as well, and it reminds us of our response to Christ's open invitation. Here, as he talks about our shared faith in the gospel, which results in a clear objective that we know the gospel, we've heeded the gospel, and now we're trying to build others up in the gospel. All of this speaks to the fact that we need one another. I need you, and you need me, and you need one another. That's why attendance in the church is so important. So as brothers and sisters in this local family, as individuals making up a local body and as living stones who are comprising a local temple, we need the stirring of faith and the stirring of encouragement that comes to us as we, the church, gather together. We need relationships and the resulting effects that come from those relationships. And all of that is God's gracious gift to us In the church. consequently, It's necessary for us to acknowledge that. Relationships. Require. Commitment. You see if you have any relationship that means anything. There is some sense. Of commitment there. You're married this morning. There was a commitment you made. To your spouse. You said in sickness and in health. In the good times and the bad times. Till death do us part. I am committed to the long haul, right? There's commitment there. Even in our friendships, there's a sense of commitment there. It, it's an unspoken, perhaps. There's no signature on a dotted line anywhere. But when someone does something against a friend, the hurt that, there's, that what the one who's been harmed feels speaks of and screams the fact that there is a commitment between two friends. So commitment is needed in relationships. Commitment is that secret ingredient in every healthy family, every healthy body, and every strong temple. Healthy families stay close, and they stick together. Healthy body parts stay strong, and they move together. Sturdy buildings stay fit, fitted, and bonded together. So in the local church, this commitment, it adds breadth and depth to our discipleship. So making membership and participation meaningful through connection, giving, and service, that creates depth to our spiritual walk. And loving members who are different than you creates spiritual breath. We're going to talk about loving members in a few weeks. But you need to understand, man, that it doesn't matter who is in the church, we're committed to one another. And the commitment we're talking about, is it not portrayed in the covenant that we've made with one another's members? You see, attendance ought to lead to membership. It ought to lead to a commitment to one another. And so in a church, we have a covenant. And in the covenant, we're defining the relationship and what's required of the participating parties in this relationship. And when you think about a covenant, when and for what reason do we make covenants? Is it for the easy, good Simple times, or is it for those dark, hard, difficult times? Obviously, it's for the latter. When you stand before your family and friends there at your wedding and you pledged yourself to your spouse, it was easy to say in you know, health and prosperity and the good times, man it's easy to commit to that, but when it's like when I'm old and decrepit and, 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 and or you're, I should say, old and decrepit, I'm going to be there for you. Right? That's the hard stuff. So when we covenant with one another as a church, it's easy to say I'm your brother, I'm your sister, I'm committed to you when everything's wonderful and easy. But it's hard to say I'm covenanted with you and I'm with you when it's really, really difficult. And when things are a strain and a burden so covenants were not made for the easy times of life. On the flip side, when things are difficult and they will become difficult, covenant communities stand strong. Why? Because we have a shared commitment to one another. Covenant communities called the church hold us up when we are faltering and pick us up when we have fallen. They encourage us when we're weary and they wake us when we're sleepy. They draw us out of ourselves and they call us to our commitments and they call us back to our responsibilities. They invite us back to the garden of Christian community where growth takes place. You see, the church made up of members of the body are always concerned about the members of the body. And so when one is strained or one is in danger, that body goes to those who are in danger and call them back and they try to get with everything they can to get them back into the fold, back into where it's safe and healthy. And so the most important time together with the church is when you don't feel like it. We gather not necessarily because we feel like doing so. You know, there's times I don't feel like coming to church. It's rare, but it happens. And so it doesn't matter who you are, senior pastor of a church, staff member, deacon, elder, small group leader. I bet you even Marilyn Richards, who's the cheerfullest, <laughs> peppiest person around here that I can think of, there's times in her life when she doesn't feel like coming. So we need to acknowledge that the struggle is real. It challenges our attendance in the church. We need to realize that we have a real need to be with the church and as a result, make a real commitment to one another in our participation in the life of the local church. And when we do those things, here's what, what we'll know. We're positioning ourselves in a posture of faithfulness. Let me end this morning by giving you three descriptions of attendance. You see it right out of Hebrews 10 here. Here's the first description of attendance in the church, consistency. He says, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. Now, that that line, that statement there tells us a lot of things. It tells us that some people were not being consistent, and there's a call to consistency, right? This morning, I'm speaking to a, a group of people. I'm speaking to people who are watching this online. And so I'm speaking to the same type of group. Some of you are extremely consistent in your participation in the local church. Others of you are not so consistent. Some of you are not consistent at all, right? So I'm speaking to the same type of group of people. It's gathering together around the gospel on Sundays. I want you to hear this. It's one of the main ways God grows us as a people, grows us as individuals. And so we do so. Because we want to be faithful. And as we do so, our hearts are plowed, our hearts are sowed, our hearts are watered and weeding. Think about this. These farming activities like sowing or plowing the ground and sowing the seed and watering it and fertilizing it and then gathering it in. All of those things that you see on a farm are not exciting. There's nothing exciting about that. Neither is the average Sunday morning at the local church. What did we do this morning? What did we do? We saw an announcement video. We sang an opening song. Uh, We did something a little different. We saw a video recapping last week's Mega Sports Camp. Uh, Saw welcome. Uh, There was an appeal hey, if you're a guest, we'd love for you to do the QR code. Here's what probably a lot of you do when you see me or someone upcoming to do that. You're like tuning out. Like I've already, I've already seen this show about 3,000 times. I don't need to see it again. So we do the same thing almost every Sunday. We sing four songs every Sunday. We have a welcome time. We have an offering time. We have an announcement video. The preaching is usually longer than it's supposed to be, right? Every single Sunday, I do a response time. Most of you don't publicly respond. So we do the same thing every Sunday. That was a joke, but it also kind of a dig. (laughs) A little bit of a dig, but a little bit of a joke. I go to the back with my wife. We greet people who walk out here at the end, and uh, Trevor dismisses us with a benediction. We do the same thing every Sunday. There's nothing exciting about that. Neither is there anything exciting when an acorn falls off an oak tree And begins to germinate. There's nothing impressive about that. There's nothing exciting about that. But what you see there is just consistency. And consistency is not impressive until it is. Day to day meeting with the body of Christ. You see, full orchards and mature Christians rise and they ripen from that type of wise repetition. Repetition is vital. Here's the second description, joy He says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. As we gather here this morning, we are a compilation of mostly redeemed, saved, uh, united in Christ people. The gospel has changed our lives. Jesus has changed our lives. So as we gather locally every single Sunday out of repetition, we are doing so with a sense of joy. You could have had the most hellish week you could imagine this past week and still come in here with joy. Why? Because you serve the king of kings. you, You can watch the news all day long. You get discouraged by that stuff and just run down of all of the things that are happening, how you dislike those things. And yet you can come in here and have a sense of joy because you serve a king who's greater than all of that nonsense. So the description of attendance in church is joy. And that doesn't have to be running around the room and clapping your hands and throwing them up in the air and and doing some of the things that you may not be comfortable with, but you still have joy. It doesn't mean it's super expressive, but it can be super expressive. There's joy. Why? Because we have been redeemed through the blood of Jesus Christ. The gospel message has changed our lives. The third description is purpose. He goes on to say, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, encouraging one another. See, we gather as the church, not for ourselves, but for others. Did you hear that? This morning, if you came to Red Lane Baptist Church for yourself, you came for the wrong reason. Here's what we do when we're looking for a new church. We want something that we like. We want something that fits us and our preferences. And I understand those are legitimate things. I'm not negating those at all necessarily. But once you find a church that has biblical sound doctrine, a focus on the gospel and sharing it with neighbors and nations, and once you find a place that you feel a sense of community, man, what else do you need? I don't know if they have the right, the music doesn't really fit me so much. Okay. Well, we can change that stuff later on. That's preferential stuff. Well, they don't have the right Sunday school or small group structure. I like things in homes rather than in the, the church building. I, I want to go to a small group in my home on Tuesday night versus Sunday morning at 9 a.m. I'm all for that. Let's, let's change that some other time. But the main things are, should be what we're looking for. And once we have that, what else are we looking for? Right? purpose. The purpose in church is others that we're looking to meet their needs. We're looking to encourage them and their faith and, and, and develop them spiritually. So it matters that we are in attendance with the church when it's gathered. Today, this afternoon, the movie theater at Westchester and other movie theaters across the metro area will all be showing movies. Mission Impossible something, something, something's out like Mission Impossible 19 just came out, I think. You guys aren't Mission Impossible fans, I guess. You don't even know what I'm talking about. This guy named Tom Cruise, he jumps off cliffs all the time in the movies. So they're going to be showing that movie and other movies, and, and they would love for you to come, but they're not sitting there thinking, man, I hope Mr. Lou's coming today, or I hope Chad's going to be here this afternoon. No, they don't have your name on their roll sheet. You don't matter to them. But you know what? Who, where you do matter? Right here at this local church. It matters that you're here it matters that you're here because we need you and you need us purpose is a description of what it means to attend in the church you might not like, you might not like <clears throat> you might not feel like attending church every sunday maybe even not next sunday those reasons are real the reasons are sometimes good sometimes they're bad sometimes they're ugly but they're real You know, as a fellow sheep who's loved by the same shepherd that you are, I want you to be here. And I need you to be here. And this morning, I'm asking you to trust God in this grace that's called ecclesia. This grace that's called the church. Again, Gunnar Gunderson offers some wise words that I want to leave with this morning. I think they're going to be on the screen for us. He says this about attending church. He says, go. Because the church gathers every Sunday to remember the death of Jesus for our sins and the resurrection of Christ from the dead. And that is precisely what we all need to remember and celebrate, regardless of what else is happening in our lives. He says, go because like Martha, you've been working all week. And like Mary, you need to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear his word. Go because the songs of the saints are the soundtrack of the Bible and your soul needs to sing and hear singing more than you'll ever know. Go because the Bible you will hear tells the true story of the world and the gathering of heaven's saints on earth is nothing less than the presence of the future. I want you to hear that. Man, when we gather here on a Sunday morning, it's a picture of what is to come. It's a beautiful picture of what's to come. He says, go because the gifts Christ poured into your life did not come with a receipt. In other words, he's not expecting you to exchange it. And you have the happy duty to use these God-given tools to build up his spiritual house. Go because even though your church has problems, and we do, your church also has a savior, it has a healer, and a shepherd, and a friend. Go because the world has been seducing your senses all week. But what you need most But what you most need to see, most need to hear, taste, and touch are the waters of baptism and the body and the blood of Christ. Go because the rest you ultimately need is not just sleeping in or getting out of town, but rediscovering the gospel's promise that in Christ you are forgiven, you are new, and you are free. Go because the stone trapping you in the cave of anger or bitterness or despair or doubt or loneliness or even fear can be rolled away in a night. And once he does it, no Roman soldier, no Jewish priest can stop him. Go because the good news of this gospel is not that you are reconciled to God, but that we are reconciled to one another. Those awkward personalities are reconciled in Christ. Go not because your trials are not real, but because the, that table with bread and wine represents the crucifixion of the worst sins you could ever commit and the worst realities you will ever experience. Go and in your going grow. Go and in your going, serve. Go and in your going, let God pick up the shards of your heart and piece together the kind of mosaic that only gets fully, that, that only gets fully crafted when His saints stay committed. To his long-term building project, he says, When we speak the truth to one another in love. What motivates your attendance today? What is it that drives you together regularly with the church? Is it faithfulness or feelings? Man, if I did things on my feelings all the time, where in the world would I be? Maturity leads us to set aside feelings and to seek to be faithful. So my hope, my desire for you is that it will be faithfulness to the Lord, faithfulness to his word, faithfulness to his church, your brothers and sisters that motivates you. You see, your regular attendance matters because you are dependent on us and we are dependent on you. Let's stand to our feet this morning. You're here, and I am celebrating that. I hope you haven't heard at one point this morning that I have taken my pastoral paddle and used it on your backside. That has not been my <laughs> desire. That has not been my goal. My goal, our goal, as elders in this church through this series, is to take the Word of God and just make sure you understand it when it comes to this most crucial element of your Christian life called the church. We need one another. We need one another regularly. And I'm using that term regularly because I don't want to say you have to be here every Sunday, though I think you should be here every Sunday unless you're sovereignly prohibited, which means vacation, out of time, work, things that happen, sickness, things of that nature. But you shouldn't be attending Bedside baptists at your house and watching us online because you just don't feel like getting up and coming. Man, the greatest thing you could do on a Sunday morning is get up and put yourself together and come to church. Because God might do something in your life, or better yet, you will probably do something in someone else's life. We need you and you need us. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for your gift of the local church. What a blessing it is God, you use your body to minister to your body. And so when someone is down financially, it's the body of Christ that steps in and meets that need. We see it in the book of Acts as the early church was selling property and giving it to those who were in need. Lord, we've seen that over and over and over again in this fellowship. When there's a need, the body meets the need. Lord, it's in the church that we find instruction. It's in the church that we find friends. It's in the church where we get mentors and people who speak into our life. It's in the church where when we're walking waywardly and we're walking in sin, that a a brother or sister comes and confronts us. Where would King David be if he didn't have Nathan speaking into his life? Where would we be if Nathan never spoke to King David and we didn't have the preciousness of Psalm 51. This morning, as we move into this time of imitation, Father, I pray that you would just make our hearts tender to the gift that you've given us in the church. And Father, the phrase that we've been using the last few Sundays would be on our hearts and our radars that we would be willing to lean in to that. Lean in to church membership. Lean in to regular attendance. So what does that mean? What does it mean for us? Are we a once a monther? Maybe it means we need to commit to twice a month. Are we two times a month? Let's commit to three. Let's commit to four without, you know, obviously vacations and things. But Lord, what can we do more in our commitment to the local church? This time is yours. I pray for those that are sitting here who their first step needs to be believing on Christ through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that your spirit is leading and speaking and wooing and calling him to that and if that's the case this morning, may that be their step of obedience. May that be their response to you today. make us humble, make us open, make us available this morning as we respond in Jesus name. Amen let's say. We trust that you and your family have been encouraged and blessed today. If you have just made a decision to follow Jesus, or if you would like to pray with someone, or even if you want to know more about our church, please contact our church office or send us an email. We are looking forward to seeing you next week here in person or online. See you then.